0: You are listening to the Living Way Church Podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right, how many of you know somebody who complains? Anybody? (laughs) How many of you, it's the person next, just kidding. Don't raise your hands on that one. All right, we have, uh, a couple of weeks ago we started a, a series called Half Full, and we're kind of taking a look at the half full or half empty mentality last week we talked about living in faith or fear and we're going to kind of follow up a little bit on that issue today a little bit as we go into the story behind that incident in numbers chapter uh, 13 and 14 now how many of you know someone who complains all the time and how many of you are, you're that person How many of you say I'm, I'm I complain a lot anybody <laughs> self-realization all <right. laughs> wow they're all upstairs uh, So, all the negative serfs are just kidding. So, uh, uh, slow service, music is loud, cell phone, uh, that guy at work. For some of you, you have a spiritual gift called complaining, and and negativity is really easy for you. Some of you might be thinking, oh, great, a dumb sermon on complaining. Uh, Well, you've come on the right Sunday because this is for you. what are people tempted to complain about? Well, they'll complain about anything and everything. Your job, not having a job, too busy, or I'm bored, not having kids, uh, my kids, you know, having kids, uh, having a husband, not having a husband, a uh, housework, uh, your body, uh, traffic, a car, not having a car. Some of you complain that the beach is too sandy, uh, the sun is too bright, and the people who complain me bug me. Well, you know, that's all part of complaining. Have you ever noticed that there are entire groups of community and businesses built around dislikes? There are people who spend their whole life trolling or on hater sites or they make a living out of being negative about politics, about movies, and about stores. And there's even websites uh, church rating websites where you can like go into these sites and they have reviews of people who visited churches from all over the country and 80 percent of them are it's terrible it's crummy I didn't like the coffee or I didn't like you know the donuts and now this come on you know there were a lot of complainers in the Bible too probably the very first complainer was Adam Uh, Adam, as soon as he got caught red-handed disobeying God, he immediately had a complaint. The Bible says in Genesis 2, he said, it was this woman you gave me. It was her. It was because of her. She's not good. He blamed and he complained. Many of you guys might have heard of a guy named Job, a guy uh, in the Bible named Job. He went through a tremendous amount of pain and suffering. He actually had a lot to complain about. But if you read the book of Job, it was the last four chapters where God says, Yeah, you have a lot to complain about, but shut your mouth because I know what I'm doing. But in Job chapter 10, when he really got rolling, he said, This, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint. He says, I'm not even going to filter anymore my negativity. I'm not going to hold back. And he goes, I'm going to speak out in the bitterness of my soul. You know, he got to the point where he wasn't even, like, letting God soothe his heart. He refused to denounce God, but he became a very negative person. And for the next 20 chapters, he and his friends complain. then God shows up. Now, the desert community that uh, we started talking a little bit about last week, uh, Moses was sent to Egypt to free the Israelites From the bondage of slavery, and he led nearly one and a half to two million people out of Egypt. And they were known to be grumblers and complainers, and they grumbled to Moses and to Aaron. And when they were wandering around, this is what it says in Exodus 16: it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses. And Aaron. See, they complained about the food. They complained about the heat. They complained about the walking. They complained about their house. They complained about the weather. They complained about their shoes. They complained about their clothes. And what we find out, it wasn't just in the desert they complained, but if you read Exodus, they complained in Egypt also. They were an entire generation of complainers. Man, they'd have had like thousands of blogs. They'd have been like conservative talk show radio hosts. That's what they would have been. They were negative Ned and Nancys. And as a result, a two-week trip took 40 years. You want to complain? Well, like them, plan on not going anywhere. In your relationships at church, at work, or in school. See, this is not about problem solving and having an opinion because some people say, well, you know, complaining means that I can't say how I feel about something. No, that's not what this is about. Here's a definition of negativity negativity is commenting on or have cynical attitudes toward things you will not or cannot make better. That's complaining. See, if you have an idea or a criticism and you have an answer, that's not complaining. That's just kind of leadership mentality. But if all you have is complaints and it's not something you can or will do anything about, you're negative and you're complaining. So in Exodus and in Numbers, we give the reasons why we often complain. So let's take a look at them We see ourselves in the desert with these complainers. Let's look at Exodus chapter 14. We see ourselves in the desert with Moses. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to the desert? I love their attitude. They're so witty. (laughs) Was there no cemeteries here? He says, were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians, which they didn't. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Here's a reason why we complain is because things don't turn out the way we want. See, this was a scenario with them. This is not what they expected. They wanted change, but they didn't want this change. I thought it would be better. See, a lot of you live in a world of, I thought my life would be different. I thought these years of my life would be different. I thought I would be single. I thought I would be married. I thought I would have kids. I thought I'd be making more money. I thought I'd have a better house. I thought my car would at least be reliable. You know, we have this this scenario. I thought my life would be different when I got married. I thought it would be different when we moved here. This day, this weather, this meal, this marriage, this family, my health. Really, God? Really? Heads up, most things in life don't turn out the way we think. And if you don't understand that, you're going to find yourself in the desert just complaining about what you didn't have. Here's the second reason that we see in the desert in our life of why we complain is because we don't see the goodness of God in our life. Listen, God really has been good to you. You're here breathing. You are loved. And we take all this for granted. God's blessings we sometimes don't see because all we can see is what we didn't get. Back in Egypt, they were crying out to God, get us out of here. In Exodus 3, 9, it says, and now the crying of the Israelites has reached me, God says, and I have seen the way the Egyptians and how they are oppressing them. So now go, he says to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. See, they cried, get me out of here. Get me out of Egypt. And God did, and God blessed them through miracles and signs and wonders and provision. Man, God did so much for them, and now they're crying out to God, we want to go back to Egypt. And we do the same thing. We pray for things and then complain about it when we get it. Lord, give me a job. And then 30 days later, they don't pay me enough. I love babies. It's fine. And you say, man, I prayed for this job and I wanted this job. And now 30 days later, I can't stand my boss. I need a new job. God bless you. Man, I wish I had a car, but not this car, God, right? I wish I had a house, but I wish I had a little bit more square feet in a two-car garage. God, I wish I had a TV that was bigger than the one that I have, just a few more inches and was 4K. God, I love the 1080, and I love HDTV, but God, why can't I have a 4K? You know, we get what we get, and then we complain about it. Some of you guys, you wish you were married your whole life, and now you wish... You weren't married your whole life. And you have kids. God, help me. God, just help me get them out of the house. I can't wait. And then some of you, your kids are out and you're like, Lord, send it back. And then church. And then we just complain about church, what we don't have, what we don't get, what we wish we had. Then we complain about what we get. And when we complain, what we're really doing is we're accusing God of not being good. We're accusing God of not being uh, one who provides for us we're making a charge against God we're saying God what you gave me I don't like it and it's your fault same story we see it in Numbers 11 verse 4 as they're wandering in the desert is the the verse begins with the rabble with them now what is the rabble you see when they left Egypt they weren't the only ones that left the Bible says that there were hundreds of thousands of Egyptians that left with them as well. So it wasn't just the Israelites wandering around the desert. It was the Israelites, the descendants of, of, uh, of Israel, Jacob, and there were some about 100,000 plus Egyptians that were along for the ride that were set free as well. And, and they became part of the community as long as they aligned themselves with the faith of, uh, of the of of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this group of people that left were called the rabble. I like that word. Some of the other translations will use other words like the multitude or the mixed multitude. Uh, Moses often called them the mixed multitude. multitude. And, And this is what it says. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. And then they go, remember that fish we used to have in Egypt? Oh, man, the Nile River. There was some great fish in there. It says, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. We were just, man, we were just fishing. We didn't have to go to the market. Also, I thought this was funny, the cucumbers, (laughs) the things. I mean, you're starving, right? You haven't had real good vegetables in years. You're like, oh, the cucumbers. They must have loved the cucumbers. The melons, the leeks. Sounds gross onions, and garlic. It's a type of veggie. Verse 6, but now we have lost our appetite. We see, we never see anything but this manna. What is the manna? Well, they didn't have food. They were in the desert. It was scarce. So God provided for them by literally raining food from heaven every day. And this Food that came out of heaven—they called manna. Manna means "what is it?" That's the literal translation. So, what is it? Fell out of heaven, and they picked it up every day. And God said, "Only pick up what you need for today. Don't store anything, because if they tried to keep it for more than a day, it would go bad." God saying, "Hey." What I'm going to provide for you is a daily trust of my provision. So just trust me daily that I'm going to take care of you. So every day, this what is it fell out of heaven, this kind of bread-like substance. And they're like, oh, to have fish. Oh, those cucumbers, you know, those melons. Oh, it would have been so good. But now I don't want to eat. This is so gross. It's so nasty. Here's the third reason why we complain, because we're not satisfied with what we have. We want something different. God was miraculously providing for them, but they wanted something else. You look at what you have and you say, but I want that. Some of you, you're tired of your daily provision of God's manna in your life. I mean, they're having manna bread, manna loaf, manna casserole, manna splits. But their familiarity was their failure. You see, the issue is not what you have, sometimes the issue is your familiarity with what you have. You know, I, I used to see this in Bible college. You know, we would literally have classes all morning. We've had worship in the morning, worship in the afternoon, Bible classes throughout the day, Bible classes at night. And we would just, and it was like Bible, 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 class, class, service, service, worship, worship. And by the end of the first semester, everybody was complaining about everything. You know, the the rules, had the classes, the teachers, just negativity all the time. There wasn't a problem with the school. It was a problem with the students who had an irritation with the familiarity. And they're like, Oh, I don't want to go to church. I've had enough Bible. And all of a sudden they start dissing on the church and local churches. And like, hey, the issue is you. It's your familiarity. You're not satisfied with what you have. Some of you are never satisfied with what you have. And you think this or that will finally satisfy you. Negativity is a thirst for satisfaction. Here's another one in Exodus chapter 16. As they are traveling in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Man, what arrogance and negativity and complaining. Man, I wish we'd have died in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, mm, nothing like dead cow, mm. heaven, and ate all the food we wanted. What a strange thing to say. Man, all we did was sit around food. They forgot all that work and the slavery and the bondage that they were in. It says, but you, Moses, have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Here's another reason why we're... So negative is we're constantly comparing our life to others. Say, man, back in Egypt, man, they're sitting with with food and pots of just meat. You know, a lot lot of times what we're doing, negativity is comparing not only what we don't have, but what somebody else has. Man, wishing, man, at their age, man, I could have been that. You know, I, I could have had that. And, and all of a sudden, we get negative because we not only not have something, but because the people around us have something we don't have. You know what that's called? It's called envy. Envy is a nail in your soul. It will tear you apart. They have it better, and God, I want it. And all of a sudden, envy turns into this hate towards those that have things you wish you had. And we constantly compare ourselves to others. Here's another reason why we are negative, And this is probably the biggest reason is that because we just, we just don't trust God. We find ourselves being negative comparing what we don't have because we really don't trust that God is looking out for us. We don't trust that God. God, you must be blessing them because they have certain things and I don't have them. So, God, you must not like me. You must not love me. God, you must, you know, be judging me for something. And all of a sudden, we begin to think, well, maybe God isn't good towards me. Exodus 14, 11, we see this with them. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us out here to die? You have done this, by, uh, done this to us by bringing us out of Egypt. See, this was not God's plan at all. They said, you know, God brought you out, but now they're saying, man, God didn't have a plan to help us. You had a plan to kill us. And all of a sudden, they began to twist everything. They didn't trust that God was at work in their life and in their future. Listen, God has a plan for your life of milk and honey. He has a promise of freedom, and he has crops of abundance in your life awaiting you. Peace, and what he asked for you to do is for you to allow him to be your king. But they didn't trust God to be good to them, and so they blamed God. So what I want to do is kind of tell you a little bit about how expensive this attitude of negativity is. It's a huge issue and it's super expensive. The cost of complaining can cost you almost everything. The rotten fruit of negativity brings this. Number one, is it complaining, first of all, it offends the heart of God. Don't you just love it when your kids have a room full of toys, or maybe as they get older, video games and a TV, bed, all kinds of possessions, and then they complain about what they don't have, or that game, or that system, or that bed, or that food, and you know, as a parent, if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, what does that make you want to do? As a parent, what does it make you want to do? Once it makes you want to start taking stuff. Oh, yeah? Well, if we're just going to take this out. Well, then we're just going to take this. You don't like what you have? Well, we're just going to take this. You see, what it makes you want to do is kind of bring the hammer down, not give them anything else, and to take out the things that they have to learn how to be appreciative of what they have. Listen, that little bit of seed of justice that we have is nothing compared to how God feels when we complain about what he's given to us. Numbers 11, 1 and 2 says, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. See, it offended God so much, he rained down fire on the edges of camp. So if some of you go home today and your yard is singed, you might have an issue with negativity. At its core, complaining and negativity is disrespectful, and, res- and it means you have resentment towards God. And it angers him. It offends him. It's a spit in his face and his blessings that he gives to you. Numbers 14, 26 goes on and says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against us? You're not grumbling to your boss. You're not grumbling just to your wife. You're not just complaining to your friends or to your neighbor. You're grumbling and you're complaining to God. He says, listen, I'm the one that gave you everything that you have. I I gave you your life. Listen, it's okay to complain to God, but it's not okay to complain about God. He can handle your problems, your issues, your concerns, and your heaviness. In fact, the Bible says, cast all your cares on me, Jesus said, for he cares for you. Cast it on him, but don't blame him and gripe about what he's given you. Numbers 14, 26 reminds us that when we grumble, it's not just our negativity to the person, but it's also to God. Complain to God long enough and God just might give you what you're griping about. But we're never gonna get there. We're never gonna get there. 40 years they wanted. I bet we're gonna die here. Well, you're right, you are going to die here. Here's the next thing, complaining withholds God's favor. Negativity short circuits God's best. See, the very thing you want, uh, sorry, the very thing you want you're not going to get, and the promised land will be passed on to your kids, not you, a life of peace for your family, not for you. See, they complain and God says, I'll give you something to complain about. You think you're going to die here? You will. You think you're not going to have any great food or any, you're not going to have meat? No, you know, you're not going to have a nice big juicy steak and some vegetables. You're not going to have mashed potatoes. You're right. You're going to eat manna until the day you die. You're going to wander out here until it's over. Negativity is self-fulfilling. Some of you, you you complain about your situation in life and you can never seem to get out of that hole that you always feel like you're in. Well, check your heart. Check what you're saying. Check your attitude. Numbers 14, 29, he goes on to say, in this wilderness, God says, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census who has grumbled against me? Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifting hand to make your home except for Caleb, son of Jephthua, and Joshua, son of Nun. Those are the two guys we talked about last week. The only two positive adults out of one and a half million people, the only two positives were Caleb and Joshua. All say like, well, this is, surely the people that are dying are, like, in their 40s and 50s, the old folks, right? I'm turned 50 this year, so you guys might think I'm old. Listen, it's all the 20 and ups. The entire young adult ministry died in the desert. So this is not, this is, this is not about, you know, seniors and young adults or young marriage. This is about negativity. He says, those 20 years old or more and... Who grumbled against me? So there might even been some teenagers in there. I don't know. Teenagers are kind of known for their negativity. Just saying. But here's what he did. He says, "You're all going to die here." Negativity can turn a rough year into a miserable life. Here's the next thing I want you to know. We see this in that last part. Is that complaining drives people away? It drives people away. This, I think, is the most tragic thing because I I love my my kids and, and I see this division that happened in this story. God told them the next generation will go into the promised land, but not them. So I can imagine all the kids grew up in the desert, sadly, to the point that they couldn't wait for their parents to die. At the drop of the last one, they get to move in. So what could have been a life... With their family was a life of, you know, I love you, but, you know, (laughs) can we move this thing along? And all of a sudden, that wedge drove them to separation. They didn't want them around. Negativity is spiritual bad breath. Now, my wife, she's so good. She, uh, boy, these mints, the curiously strong mint. My wife is so good, she usually hands me a piece of gum or a mint after service when she's in service. Because, you know, when you preach, you get bad breath. Because you talk a lot. Well, that's it. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. But So she says, she'll like hand me a piece of gum or mint. I'm like, she's looking out for me. I love it. Because she knows that bad breath repels people. Now, don't raise your hand and don't look at anybody, but sometimes bad breath is, like, really gross, right? And you're like, you know, I don't want to, you know, you don't want to add to the conversation because it might prolong the conversation type of thing, you know? And so you just want to just play cool, be nice. I'm glad that most of you are nice about it. Um, when you're around someone with bad breath, uh, what, do you, what do you do? <laughs> you're like, they're right The close talkers, hey, what's up, right, like, I'm doing good. And what do they do? They press in. It's like you back up, and they press in, and you back up, and you're like, uh, oh, man, I just want the conversation to be over. See, some of you have spiritual bad, uh, bad breath in the same way. Your negativity causes people to back up. Your negativity caused people to take one step away from you. And as you try to press in with your negative attitude and your complaining, all that does is cause the people around you to keep backing up, to keep moving away from you. Here's a recipe for being miserable in your marriage. Are you ready? Go home and complain. Here's a recipe for a miserable time at work. Be negative at work and complain. You want to have a miserable relationship with your children? Here's an easy one. Go home and complain about everything they do. You want to have a miserable relationship with your wife, with your husband, with those around you? You will miss out on God's promised land for you if this is your attitude. We see this in this story. Honestly, if you want to complain, you can find anything to complain about all day long. And some people, I'm trying to give you a breath mint today trying to give you a spiritual help today. If you'll just, I'm just sliding it to you. If you can just receive this and allow this attitude to change, you're going to see things happen in your life. We often have preconceived biases that can actually change the way you process your thoughts and lead to depression and a poor view of life. It's time to change. Negativity is a sin. And it is damaging and it is destructive. So choose to quit complaining. I wanna share with you real quick restraining our complaining, how to walk out of here today with a new, fresh breath of life. It's time to deal with the rabble the what, the why, and the how. We see this in Philippians. So let's take a look at it in Philippians chapter 2. Here's the first thing this restraining our complaining. Stop complaining and start thinking thanking like thank you thanking this is the what philippians 2:14 says do everything everybody say everything do everything without complaining or arguing stop complaining this is not just a verse for your children this is a verse for grown-ups some of you are the worst at complaining about everything about your marriage, about work, about your school, about you just name it. Stop complaining and start thanking. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your worth. That unwholesome word there means spoiled fish. It's the same word that describes rotten fish. You know, one of the worst smells in a in the world, I think is rotten fish. Anybody ever smell like a dead fish on the beach or on a lake? You know, it is the most disgusting, foul, one of the most putrid smells ever. And Paul is saying, hey, listen, the way you talk, your attitude is like stinky, nasty, spoiled rotten fish. Don't let spoiled fish words come out of your mouth, he says, but only what is Helpful, encouraging, positive for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, gratitude is more than an attitude, it's a decision and an action. Stop complaining and start thanking God for who He is and what He's done. Philippians 4 4 goes on to tell us what we can do as well. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. If I say always, this is not. Rejoicing for what happens to you always, but in spite of the circumstances, find that God is working on your favor. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'll say it again. Some of you guys, you need to hear it more than once. Rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Stop being so negative. Let your gentleness, your positive attitude be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, says it again, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understandings will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. See, gratefulness is a key to the peace of God at work in you. You will never fully experience the presence of God without gratitude. And as long as you are negative, you will truly never understand or be able to walk in the peace in the presence of God. See, this verse tells tells us about a great exchange. We give him our petitions, our problems, our issues, and then he gives us in exchange peace. Peace that doesn't make any sense. We give him our complaints. He gives us peace that he's going to work it out. And then we can walk and relax and rest in that. Here's the second thing, is refuse to play the comparison game. As I said earlier, uh, this is kind of where we, where we find a lot of our negativity is, is we compare ourselves. Listen, when you complain about what you don't have or what somebody else has, it will leave you frustrated because somebody else will always have something better than you. Always. Always. No matter what you have, There'll always be somebody who has that better. And they're probably thinking about that to you. Because we have this nature, this sin nature that draws us towards negative, selfish attitudes. And this attitude will leave you unsatisfied. It will leave you unfulfilled. And it will always leave you looking for more. And you'll never have enough. Philippians 4, he goes on and says... I'm not saying this because I'm in need, Paul says, for I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstance, whatever I've been given in life, I've learned to be content with what I have. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. It's a guy who's lived on the street and been homeless and had no clothes and no food. He goes, I know what it's like to be homeless, and I know what it's like to sit with kings. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to sit in prison and to be chained to a wall. And I know what it's like to sit at a table with the greatest food in the country. I know what it's like to to stay in the nicest places and to sleep on the floor. He says, and I've learned the secret to being content. Here's the secret. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty, or if I am in need or have want, I can do all, here's the secret, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, you want to know what the secret is? God provides. That's the secret. No matter what the circumstance is, God provides. The secret is, God's got you. He has you. He is all you need. I have enough. I'm going to quit complaining. I came across this funny video, uh, stuff people complain about. Uh, stuff funny stuff people say and this is kind of complaining and discontentment watch this video I think it's pretty funny it's kind of how we find ourselves throughout the day and then realize that my flight is only 90 minutes long I mean come on so tired I think I slept too much honey the fridge is full my coffee mug is too tall for the Keurig. What am I supposed to do with my leftover chicken fajitas? I'm hungry, but I'm not like hungry hungry. I'm not hungry hungry. I'm not hungry hungry. I'm not hungry hungry. I don't even know if I'm hungry. It's 11 o'clock and I don't know whether to eat breakfast or lunch. I think I'm hungry. I hate watching Blu-rays on this TV. It looks too real. I'm not even hungry. My phone is 4G, but we don't have 4G coverage where we live, so it's the worst. This is the worst. No! Oh! Oh! I clicked restart instead of shut down. I have to wait for it to start back up again so I can shut it down. I hate it. I'm like too healthy. I never get to use any of my sick days. Closet full of clothes, nothing to wear. My white noise machine broke last night and I didn't get any sleep. There's nothing to watch. There is nothing watch. The bottom of my foot has been itching all day, but it tickles when I scratch it. I didn't finish brushing my teeth this morning. My battery died halfway through. I hate that. My hair smells like Starbucks. My hand smells like Starbucks. My iPad smells like Starbucks. That's the worst. Mm. Just shoot me. Oh, just shoot me. Put me out of my misery. Kill me now. Just shoot me in the face. Wasn't I just chewing gum? I don't remember spitting it out. Sometimes we can find anything to Blanket complain. Why it doesn't have any sleeves. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I forgot that last one. Sometimes we can find anything to complain about. He says, but I've learned the secret. I've learn the secret to riches. You know what it is? First Timothy 6, 9 says, godliness and contentment is true wealth. You want to be truly rich, live righteous unto God to please and honor him, and learn to be thankful for what you have. Here's the third thing on restraining your complaining is remember the eyes have it. And, yes, I did spell that right. I is E Y E the eyes have what does that mean remember this is a big deal remember that you are being watched and if you say that you are a follower of Christ people watch you and your witness can be affected by your negativity Philippians 2 he goes on to say do everything without complaining or arguing. Why verse 15 says so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. He says man there's a whole world out there. Man they are all upside down. They're hurting and they're confused and they're they're already negative enough. Man there's enough negative news and neg negative uh, blogs and posts and just so much going on in life and world. Don't add to it. But, but, but don't be a complainer. Don't be an arguer. Be one who lifts up the light and the hope of Christ in a world that's hurting. Listen, we are to shine in a negative world of pain. See, when we reflect the gentleness of God, we look most like Jesus. You know, he could have said, do everything. He said, he could have said, uh, don't swear, don't cheat, don't lie, but he said, don't complain, don't be negative. This is one of the beautiful marks of someone who's walking in the spirit: is this hope and faith that we have. Negativity is a relationship repellent. How can you ever expect to reflect God's goodness if you are negative? Technology has opened up to a whole new world of complaining, online complaining about spouse, neighbors, traffic, job, president. Listen, be careful, don't repel, shine, because the eyes have it. Here's the fourth thing, and this is, uh, uh, we're wrapping it up, is choose to rejoice no matter what. This is the win. Negativity is a choice. We get to choose what we focus on. You know, in prison and unsure about his future, chained to a wall, looking at the possibility of having his head cut off. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 2. He says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, even if I get killed in here, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, that means if I get put to death simply because I'm living for Jesus, he says, well, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. I'm going to choose not to complain. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. First Thessalonians 5, 16, he says rejoice always. I mean, stop being negative. Find the good. Pray continually. Keep God's perspective. Give thanks in all circumstances, even when it doesn't make sense. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here's the how, and we're going to wrap it up with this. Here's the how. Galatians 2, 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, the life I now live in the body, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. How could he say that? How could he, in the midst of all that he was going through that was falling apart in his life, say that? Well, it's because he already died. He already died to himself. He already died to this life. He discovered that his story is actually his story. Here's the last thing and we're going to wrap this up is number 5 is become an extra. Become an extra. This is the how. See, Paul was no longer the star of the story. Paul understood that once he knew that he was just an extra in the story of God, his negativity went to a positivity. Here's the bottom line. You want to know why we complain? We think we are the center. We complain because we think somehow this is about us, this is about me, this life, the situation, the circumstance, that somehow the whole world, the universe revolves around your life, your situation, your circumstance, and you don't like it. Well, listen, it's time to get out of the center because there's only one who can sit on the throne of this world and this universe, and that's Jesus Christ. The ultimate characteristic of complaining is this, it's about me. It's what I think, what I want, or what I didn't get, or what I don't like. See, God is not on the throne to try to figure out how to make you happy. He exists and is on the throne not just to serve us, but we exist to serve him. He is the king. See, God is the writer. He controls the casting. He's the producer, the director, the editor, and he's the star. And Jesus is the main character, roll the credits. I don't even show up in the credits. I don't show up. You know, if you watch a a movie and there's like thousands of extras, their names don't show up in the credits because it's not about them. They're just an extra. We complain when we think we're the main character. At the root of negativity is a deep, profound, twisted perspective that somehow this is about me. We are the no-name extras. Paul understood this. When we put God at the center, you understand how devastating and how humiliating negativity and comparing is. You ever guys ever watch a, a, in the 90s a mad TV, Stuart Little? Okay, Stuart Little was a grown adult who acted like a child, and he was always like, look what I can do, look what I can do. He was always doing, anybody ever watch that? It was ridiculous, but... Yes, a few of you, the rest of you just think it's stupid. Well, it was stupid. It was a grown person acting like a child. And his mom was like, Stuart, Stuart, just sit up. No, no, no. And it was always, it was hilarious because it was a grown man being a child. And some of you just like that are acting, look what I can do. No. That's exactly how some of you are. Listen, stop trying to be the center of the story, change your view. So how do we show this gratitude? By looking at what we have and those around us with thankful, grateful, helpful, and generous hands. For the next five days, I want to give you a challenge. Write down five things each day that you are thankful for. Maybe even post one of those things on Facebook or Instagram. Five days, five things you're thankful for each day. Be thankful and watch what happens. See, negativity is a heart issue. Jesus said this in Luke six. He says, "For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks." Check your heart today, everybody. Go check your spiritual breath. And you know, like I said earlier, negativity is is spiritual bad breath. Anybody need a mint today? All right. Woo! Good stop. Anybody else? Anybody else? You, okay, okay, Sam. Nobody else? All right. Here you go. You ready? But I got a big boy to give out. Who, who wants the big one? I'm not going to throw this up. Uh, you can come down and get it. It'll be right here, man. All right? Because it's open. It will. I'll torch for everyone. I'll torch for you. I'll torch for you. That's Oprah. All right. Here's the deal. Psalm 34:8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Check your heart. Check your spiritual breath. Listen to what God is saying. Taste and see like a mint of freshness on your soul. Taste it and see what the God of all creation has to give to you to change your negative into a positive. your half empty into a half full life. So five days, five things each day you're thankful for. And let's turn our negativity around in 2019. Don't end up wandering in the desert just because all you can see is what's around you. Trust that God is good and he loves you. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, that right now there are those those here that need to know how much you love them and care for them. And, God, I know that there are probably those in this room that are are hurting and struggling right now and, and have a heaviness on their heart. Um, God, at work, and their marriage, or whatever situation they're in. And, Lord, I just pray that right now, Jesus, that you would work in their heart and their life. If you're here this morning, you say, that's me. I, I'll be honest with you, Ted. Uh, more so, I want to be honest with God that I have been negative. I've been complaining about my life, about my marriage, about my kids, about my job. And I don't want 2019 to be a year that just drives me into depression because I can't see how good you are. Let's just take a moment. Just say in your own words, God, forgive me of my negativity. God, forgive me. God, help me to see your goodness in my life. God, when I start to feeling like you don't love me, God, help me to remember the cross of Jesus Christ, which is a forever emblem of your great love and goodness to me. I pray that you would help me to trust you and to know you as the provider because I can do all things through you, Jesus. I can get through this because you're good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.